This is the Game Day on Rocky Top Podcast, episode 154. I am Joel Hollingsworth, and I am once again joined tonight by my brother-in-arms, Will Sheldon. Will, anything uh, interesting happen this weekend? You know, I, when in doubt, go back to the thing that you are best at, and the thing that we are best at is group therapy. So uh, here here we are. Uh, this is a different kind of therapy, I think, than... Uh, than we've encountered uh at, at least i know people want to go back to the wyoming game but that was a whole other you know the, the deed was really done at that point um when tennessee lost to wyoming in 2008 and so uh i was i was a uh sophomore in high school when tennessee lost to memphis in 1996 joel what were you doing in 1996 1996 i uh, had just started uh tennessee law school okay so you were around uh, but was around, uh, that was just just getting the just getting the buzz and the bug. Yeah, fun fact about that game too. That was the uh, the first uh, Tyson Holyfield fight was that night later that night uh, when Tennessee lost to uh, to Memphis. Not the ear biting one, but the first one. That was actually a really good fight. So anyway, that's that's how long you have to go back to find. I think anything like this, uh, and yet. Uh, it's it feels familiar just because of everything else that's happened over the uh, the last eleven years. So you, you know, there's there's a small part in here where us and other folks should we should never ever say again. Mm-hmm. We don't need to talk about Georgia State or or you know, let's let's give that the old one hundred percent in the uh, the expected win total machine. Uh, but. Yeah, this is a this is a different conversation than I thought we were going to have today. Yeah, and uh, so you know, just for uh, posterity, so we can uh, make sure we have the the context for for the time that we're going to you know ten years from now, we'll want to come back and listen to this. I'm sure. Sure. Right. <clears throat> so yeah, uh, the balls they kicked off their uh, 2019 season season of much anticipation. It's Jeremy Pruitt's second year at the helm. We're hoping for and expecting that infamous year two bump. We're riding high from solid recruiting class, fully highly talented dudes. They filled needs. We're feeling good about a couple of splash coordinator hires, um, stealing Jim Chaney from Georgia, you know, helping us and hurting them at the same time. Woo! And uh, luring Derek Ansley from the NFL's Oakland Raiders. We got a more manageable schedule. We can ease into it a little bit before the real challenges come. And then Saturday, we lost to the Georgia State Panthers at home, thirty-eight to thirty. And really, it wasn't even that close, was it? Oh no! It, you know, uh, I don't know for people that didn't watch the game. Uh, if you just saw the score and were kind of like, oh. Yeah, it's 38-23 until there's literally two seconds left uh, in the in the game. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's basically, it was kind of like the uh, unexpected gut punch that killed Houdini. You remember that? <laughs> I do. Yeah. I was I was a Houdini fan in my, uh, my growing up days. I read lots of books about that. That's a good metaphor for this. <laughs> it was, although, you know, it, it actually. Muscles, it wasn't better. <laughs> is, what's that? He didn't tighten his muscle. I read that version yeah. of it in one story. When the guy hit him, he wasn't set like he hadn't locked up his core yet or whatever. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, that's what killed Houdini. Although, you know, they say that really it was it was appendix. So there was something wrong, bad wrong inside anyway. And it just got irritated by the uh, sucker punch, which, you know, there, there might be uh, some uh, similar metaphor there as well. But anyway, you know, basically it was not a good day is what we're saying. Right. Saturday was not a not a good day. Um, but actually, before we get too deep into that, um, I wanted to ask you, um, what is it that you do? after a, a disappointing game like that? How do, how do you spend the rest of your Saturday? What do you do on Sunday to sort of cope in a, uh, in a healthy, mature, what are you, 38 now, 40-something? Almost, almost 38, yeah. Almost 38 in a 38-year-old in a way. Uh, well, you know, uh, most folks listen to this know my, my real job is a United Methodist pastor, so, uh, you know, I have to I have to – do in theory some of my most important work on Sunday morning. So uh, that part has been helpful for me. Uh, I've I've been a pastor as long as I've been, well, ten days longer than I've been a, a blogger, uh, and so I've always had that rhythm of uh, ch- church starts at the same time, uh, no matter what happens. And yeah. uh, that's that's the line <clears throat> I've heard Wilkerson use, John Ward use. You know, it's it's in bad Saturdays of of the past, and so. Uh, that is has been helpful for me since 2006 in terms of perspective and uh, and things like that. Uh, I I hope this is maturity and not just age. But you know I have uh, on the one hand my son is getting ready to turn two and so that is uh, first my wife uh, six years ago when we got married at the start of the Butch Jones tenure uh, and then uh, Covington my son so it's really helpful to have them around uh and have family around that you love and care about and and can spend time with Uh, the flip side of that is man i did i laid awake last night and thought about you know how in trying to think of how long is this going to go on like (laughs) this thing that is such a big part of my my life and was such a big part of my childhood in part because i grew up at a really good time in in knoxville but like is this thing going to be here for my son you know is this (laughs) have we have we messed this up so badly that when he comes of age here in five or six years to really start knowing what's going on, that it's just not going to be saying it's not the same as it was when I was growing up is a, is an understatement. You know, I'm, I'm worried about, <laughs> are people going to show up for these games anymore? You know, are, are we, uh, are we in a really bad way? So I, you know, I think family helps. I quit watching. I didn't watch a second of uh, Auburn or Oregon. I, I just wasn't, interested in in football uh anymore uh yesterday uh i did i watched the braves today i did go back to watching uh sports today but i haven't uh right now i'm watching rogue one on mute on tbs and not watching uh houston and uh and oklahoma so uh uh and the game tomorrow is not very good so uh i don't i don't know that i'll go back to uh to to watching uh until thursday so that's just kind of Get people around you who make your life better, no matter what Tennessee does, uh, is is the best uh, piece of advice I can give you. And I, I, you know, most people work Monday through Friday. They don't get to get up and do something that they love and are passionate about, no matter what happens on Saturday. So, I, in that sense, I'm very grateful for my job. So, not to make you more depressed, but uh, you know, you mentioning uh, is this still going to be here for my kids? I have that window is closed for on two of my kids already. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's been what, I don't know, 
how far you want to go back to 2008, 2005, 2003, whatever. Um, but, you know, I got one who's 23 now, and she doesn't remember anything but pain on Saturdays from me. And I tried to take my uh, now 17-year-old. We went to, to games for a couple of years, and it was a lot of fun. You know, I mean, you, you can always enjoy a Saturday afternoon, right? So yeah. it, it's still cool, but, you know, there's very few memories. That she was she was at the Florida game with me that we won. That was cool. Um, Georgia. I think we might have had a memory or two with Georgia at some point, South Carolina. But that that's pretty much it, you know. So, yeah, sorry to uh, depress any more, but it's a very real possibility that, yes, he may not know your joy. <laughs> well, I always say that my people who are my age, if, you, uh, if you're in your late 30s and you grew up a Tennessee fan and a Braves fan, like we are the worst. Because I know the I know both schools only won the the big prize only once, but um, you the expectation of excellence every I mean the first year I remember was 1988 when Tennessee started the season 0 and six and then won five in a row, then they won two SEC championships back to back after that so that like that really didn't matter and and then you just go from there. Uh, the Braves, you had to wait a little longer on until 1991, but I mean, it, it just, uh, it has taken me and, and you can see <clears throat> reading us for a long time. You can see it in my writing. Like, I mean, it, it just took me a long time to get out of the, uh, how, how quickly can we get back? A lot of the stuff I feel like I wrote when Dooley was here was still, holding on to the sense of, okay, we're just a, a second away from being back to what it should be. Yeah. Uh, and the realization that that's not how it works. But I will say too, in, in terms of that, I, I've been, um, Alex, my wife, her family's a big baseball family. Um, but she really wasn't into football, hadn't been around it, that sort of stuff. And that first year, that first Butch Jones year, we were married. The thing that sold her was a game we lost. It was that smoky gray Georgia game. That first one, the pig Howard in overtime. Yeah. Uh, just being there and being around a sense of what almost was and the energy and the environment in that stadium, um, that, that really sold her. And, you know, we, we weren't there yesterday, thankfully, but we're going to be there uh, Saturday for BYU. So, you know, it doesn't have to be championship winning stuff to convince people who are otherwise, uh, you know, uninitiated to really fall in love with it. But man, it, it, it can't be losing to Georgia State, and it can't be eighty-five thousand people announced uh, in the in the stands. I mean, that's 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 not it. Uh, and so that's the that's the thing I worry about. You don't have to win championships, but it needs that sense of this will always be here and be something that not just me, but lots and lots of people look forward to and come to and invest in. Uh, I, you know, I I think that's worst case scenario thinking still, but that's that's definitely what I was thinking when I was uh, lying in bed last night. Yeah, you mentioned uh, <clears throat> with with Dooley, you know, thinking, oh, you know, when, it, how quickly we're going to be able to turn around, right? And actually, that was, you know, I started the store in uh, 2011, so I was, I was pretty convinced, you know, that we were just right around the corner. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was weird. I, I knew that I was going to have some very strong and uh, conflicting emotions this season, regardless of how things turned out. But I will admit, at one point yes, uh, yesterday, I was or Saturday, I was uh, glad that I hadn't 
again purchased another twenty thousand in inventory to try to sell. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I keep looking. You know, I, I'm like a lot of people. My Facebook feed gets filled with you know ads of Tennessee merchandise or whatever. Yeah. And I I looked at those ads a couple times today, and I was like, where's the on sale category? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. You should be don't be trying to sell this to me at full price today facebook algorithm like you better yeah. you better find some deals uh and and send them my way today yeah so how i i generally uh, spend my stuff is i i kind of pretend that it's a uh, circa 2001 and there's no internet so that's the first thing i do is i don't go on the internet um after a game like that it just i found that it's uh not helpful uh to me but then, you know, I just, you, whatever your hobby is or, or your other other passions are, you know, I just, I spend some time with that. I, I spend a lot of time on Saturdays just monitoring my little uh, SPM machine to see how it's doing against the spread on other games and stuff, you know. Just because right. I like to do that. It's, it's like my gardening or my woodworking or whatever, you know. I like to automate stuff and play with stats and fiddle around with MySQL and PHP and stuff. Kind of a geek that way, so... But uh, once my mind's right, too, I may watch a few other games, you know, although there is some risk to that, you know, because watching the Auburn-Oregon uh, game, it's like everything was twice as fast as the one I just watched, you know, against Tennessee. I don't know. We just look slow, man. Anyway, but then, uh, you know, church on Sunday, and then I console myself with uh, naps and food on Sunday afternoon. That's basically the Vols are the reason I'm fat. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's lots. Lots of us are, are feeling that way. I did. My wife gave me a a cupcake out of her inventory <laughs> today because I think she's feeling feeling bad for me. But um, yeah. that's you know that's something we've said for a long time. We talk about getting off the internet. Like you, uh, you, you don't have to follow those people on Twitter. Yeah, you know, like you you can work a mute and and curate a a, a reasonable list. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just. Um, you don't have to follow people who it's, it's in good business interest for them to make you mad yeah. and, and fan <clears throat> flame. you know, you, um, that has been helpful for me to just something that I learned slowly over the course of doing this, as long as we've all been suffering with it for 10 or 11 years of, you know, uh, at, right after a game is not the best time to try to convince people that things are going to be okay. Uh, I, I'm not convinced that things are going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, sitting here talking to you. So I, I don't know, but you, you know, don't, uh, uh, make your Twitter feed as healthy as, as you desire it to be, uh, is, is, uh, one piece of advice I can give. Yes. And mine is to turn it off. That that's my healthy Twitter feed right there. Yeah. So anyway, let, let's talk about the game now that I've had my uh, nap and my cookies. Mm -hmm. Um, so your, your, your post right after the game was okay. Uh, did we just see the worst loss ever? Um, and if I read it right, because, you know, to be honest, um, I, I read it, you know, kind of quickly because I just wanted to get it over with. Sure. Um, but uh, so I think you said that, in your opinion, the Memphis from when was that, 96 or something? Yes. Was worse. So remind me, what happened in that, and uh, why was that worse than yesterday? So uh, 
let me say, I think everybody understands we're making this conversation like worst is is relative to all this. Everyone still agrees 2001 LSU is actually the worst full stop. Like that's that's the worst because of what you lost and what was on the line. But when we're talking about um, worst upset allowed, uh, those those three games, Georgia State on Saturday, Memphis in 1996, and Wyoming in 2008, those are all games that Tennessee was favored between 24 and a half and 27 points in. So they're all – that's the right category uh, for those games. Some are talking about uh, North Texas from the 70s. I, that's before my time, and I, I uh, covers.com is where I get that uh, – the, those historic line and uh, data points from. So that only goes back to 1985. Uh, Wyoming in 2008, like I say, uh, the deed was already done. Fulmer stepped down the first part of that week. Tennessee, the claw fence had struggled all year. Uh, that, you know, still a strange game and a strange loss, but the, the deed was done uh, at that point. So um, I, I think that one to me, even though that, by Vegas standards, is the winner at, at uh, minus 27 for Tennessee, um, I just I just have a hard time believing that that one could be perceived as worse. The Memphis loss in 96, Tennessee had lost to the Gators uh, at the start of that year. Tennessee was ranked second, got down 35 to nothing to Florida, then weirdly scored the next 29 points and only lost 35-29. Uh, but they hadn't lost again. They beat Alabama and Knoxville for the first time in 12 years. Uh, 20 to 13 on Jay Graham's long touchdown run in the fourth quarter. And at that point, Tennessee was ranked somewhere between like five and eight. Um, and, and the Gators, uh, that's the year Florida won the national championship. So there wasn't really an opportunity to, to get in there behind Florida and make it to Atlanta. But you were still talking about the opportunity to play in, in what back then was the bowl Alliance, the pre BCS so Tennessee could have gone to, say, the Orange Bowl uh, or the, the Fiesta Bowl or something like that. And it was Memphis, man. It's still the only time Tennessee's ever lost to Memphis, Memphis State, uh, back in the back in the day. And so if you have – both my parents are from Memphis. So uh, if, you, if you have uh, personal connections there, uh, that made it so much worse. Memphis ran a kickoff back for a touchdown that if instant replay existed would have been called back. A guy got flipped upside down and landed on yeah. his elbow. And kept running, mm-hmm. and um, that you know he was down, but they didn't call him down, and they went on and did that. Um, just an off game. Peyton had a couple interceptions. I think uh, Tennessee couldn't run the ball on them, and and just one of those. You like yesterday, the whole time you thought this isn't really going to happen, um, and and then it did. Unlike 2008 Wyoming, where you had seen lots of bad things happen already that year. Bad things had only happened in Tennessee in 1996 against the Gators. And and really not against anybody the last two years. You know, at that point, Tennessee ran through 1995 at 11-1 and then ran through 96, only losing to Florida again. And so then all of a sudden to lose to Memphis, um, just just bad. The worst part about yesterday is that it was at home. That Memphis game was at Memphis. Uh, you know, this, this one was in Knoxville. And again, I, I was not there Saturday. So if you were in the stadium uh, and, and you stayed the whole time, which is not, not many folks uh, – you know, you like I said, you're. Uh, I think whatever answer you want on this, you're allowed to have because all three of those are in the same category. The Memphis one, because of rivalry and because of who Tennessee was at that point in time, to lose a game when you're favored by 26, um, that one, that one to me, felt worse. But also, I'm experiencing that one as a 15 year old, 
Um, and I'm experiencing this one as someone theoretically a little more mature. So uh, I, I would still take Memphis if you really want to have the argument. But if you want Saturday, and if you are a little younger than me, you, Saturday's it for you, man. Saturday is, is the bottom. See, I, I think the thing that was worse about yesterday was not so much that it was home, but that it was the season opener. Yeah. Right. I mean, and you wrote about this uh, in the post that you put up Sunday <clears throat> that, uh, you know, you spend so much time and effort over the summer just anticipating what is going to happen. And you build up all these hopes and dreams. And then all of a sudden it's just all gone. You know, I go back to this. Um, if, if people have been following for a while, I wrote this thing back in uh, – it was September 2nd, 2008. Um, we had just hired Dave Clawson and his magical flipping O-lineman offense. You know, this it was a super shiny thing. It was like a Christmas present. You know, we were, we were looking at it all summer, picking it up and shaking it. It made magical noises. And then, and then we opened it up on September 2nd, and it was just pants. You know, it was just another pair of pants, the same thing that we'd always gotten before. And and to be honest, this was this was 2008, right? And it's 2019, and we've gotten pants and socks every year. You know, I mean, every once in a while we get a nice three pack of underwear. You know, <laughs> so it's uh, the the worst part is just man, you just build it up, and we were looking forward to all this stuff and. You know, Cheney and Ansley and year two and in the in the in the recruiting the five stars on the offensive line and, and we knew that okay, those guys are freshmen. You know, this is a new scheme. We gotta learn some new stuff. Um, but still, man, there's nothing like anticipating something magical and getting a rock, you know, it's just it's it's terrible. You, I think uh, Forrest Gump's mom was wrong. Life is not like a box of chocolates because you never really just bite into a piece of crap, you know. <laughs> so we that's what not happened. On. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So anyway, what 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 exactly do you think went wrong Saturday? I I think. Um... And this is the biggest. This is a big problem. I think Tennessee's bad on defense, and I think that because they were bad on defense last year. Uh, if you if you look at advanced numbers from last year, uh, S and P plus and those kinds of things, the defense grades out worse. The offense. We spent a lot of time talking about Tyson Helton, and and some of that deserved a, a, just a unwillingness to run or, or to pass on first down for a lot of the year. Uh, being conservative, those kinds of things. But the truth is um, Tennessee got behind so quickly. And uh, it, it's just some of its strength of schedule, but there were so many games where Tennessee just got behind early and we didn't have time to note that this defense is just bad regularly. You don't necessarily want to jump to that conclusion when you're playing Georgia and Alabama and good grief, West Virginia. I mean, a dynamite offense that Tennessee went up against the very first game of the year. And against the Gators, which was really kind of the only other big uh, talking point, Tennessee turned it over a billion times, and you couldn't really make any judgment fairly about the defense then. 
Then they go to Auburn and they force a bunch of turnovers uh, and they got a big fourth down sack to end a drive and they win. And that I think kind of let us feel like, okay, like, you know, this defense is not really an issue, but man, if you look uh, at the end of this, uh, South Carolina in particular, Tennessee just couldn't stop those guys in the second half. I mean, just could not get off the field. And then Missouri and Vanderbilt at the end really exacerbated it. That teams, you, you don't have to be spectacular to beat this defense. You don't have to take um, – it is very concerning that you don't have to take big risks to beat this defense. That you can just line up and get four yards – and then have second and six and get four more yards, and then have third and two and get a first down. Georgia State, the best thing they did for Tennessee's defense in the second half was take chances. You know, when they were throwing on on first down, that was great for Tennessee because then you get them in second and eight and you have a chance to, to be ahead of schedule. But, man, they just lined up and got whatever they want. And I know so, some of what's making the rounds today is – a different conversation about just a stunning lack of alignment and, and all that stuff. Um, but I have a concern that if Georgia state can do that to you, that even if you're lined up better, uh, even if you have Daniel Batuli back and he's trying to help set the defense from the inside linebacker spots, uh, I have a concern that Tennessee is just, they just don't have the guys on the defensive line. They just don't have them, uh, especially without Emmett Gooden. And if that's the case, Tennessee's going to have to try to score a lot of points on offense to win this year. And I'm worried that they have a head coach that doesn't want to do that. Um, it's not in his nature. And that uh, is, is uh, I, I think that's what happened yesterday. And I, I'm worried because it happened against Georgia State. Uh, Tennessee's not going to be favored by 28 again against an FBS team. So, uh, you know, that that's a concern that this might just be a problem that we talk about all year. So uh, we talked a lot during uh, the Butch Jones uh, era, which I don't know why that phrase just makes me so tired. Um, Five years. Yeah. Um, But we talked about him, you know, being a tweaker. Remember, remember all the conversations about tweaking, you know, his dad's a police officer. He doesn't do big change. He doesn't do big change. Oh, yeah. And, and that actually resonated with me. Uh, that's kind of the way I am because uh, I think one of the, you know, a big problem sometimes is is overcorrecting. You know, because I thought Butch could change. Um, he could fix stuff. When something was wrong, he, he sometimes fixed it. Um, but too often he would also break something in the process. And it was just because there's, there's just too much going on anyway. So anyway, the, the, the reason I'm bringing this up is that Pruitt only has one year as a head coach uh, under his belt. And he made some major changes just after his first year. Um, and it was widely heralded as, as a wise move. And, and I think that largely it was. I mean, basically it came down to this. He was, he, he looked himself in the mirror. Okay, that's good. Um, he figured out that, you know what, I can't, I'm not a defensive coordinator anymore. I'm a head coach. And um, 
if I'm trying to actually coach the defense, then I have to ignore the offense or I have to do everything poorly because um, when you're coaching the defense, you know, it's not just calling the plays, making sure the guys are lined up, talking to the guys, you know, while they're on the field. It's also when they come off the field, you have a debriefing and instructions for the next set, for the next drive, right? And so that means that you can't spend any time on the, on the offense. And of course, he probably thought, well, I can't do that. So he spends some time on the offense, and then he's just doing poorly at defense. And so trying to do all that, he, he came to the conclusion that he needed to delegate. And uh, one of the things he did was he delegated uh, the entire offense to Jim Chaney, which I think is a brilliant move. Chaney is a proven commodity. He's really good. Um, and I think that was just a, that was a great move. Um, but the other thing he did that I was, I was kind of wondering about even over the summer, although I never mentioned it was that he also gave up the defense and gave it to, to Ansley. Um, right now word is that Ansley's awesome and maybe he is. Um, but we don't know, you know, and what we do know is that Pruitt is awesome at defense. And um, I think that his uh, delegation of the defense to somebody who is maybe a younger version of him was possibly an overcorrection. Um, And that he probably or maybe should not have turned loose of the defense. Now, this is just a theory at this point. It's just one game. It's just Georgia State. Um, but um, that's the thing I'm going to be keeping my eye on is, is whether or not uh, that move uh, turns out to be a, a real mistake. Not, not because Ansley's terrible, but because Pruitt can do it, should have done it, already relieved himself of the offensive responsibilities. Um, and now we got two new coordinators um, and there's always a learning curve, e- even if you, you know, e- even if it's easy, you-, you still have to get used to new personalities and stuff. And there was a whole lot of change on that, uh, on that coaching roster. So anyway, that, that's one of the things that I'm, I'm going to be looking for. You have any thoughts on that? Am I crazy? No, I, well, listen, I don't think anything is crazy, uh, right now, truly. I mean, <laughs> there's, we need more data, um, yeah. You know, we, we need uh, a whole lot of these conversations. It's not fair to ask anyone to push pause on anything they're feeling right now because Tennessee just lost to Georgia State. But uh, some of this, we need more data. And in that sense, it's good. Tennessee's playing a, a real-life team Saturday, aside from the real-life team that just beat them uh, on, on uh, yesterday. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, we, we'll get some more of these answers. Uh, I think a couple things uh, about that. Uh, I think we spent a lot of time talking last week, and I spent a lot of time talking this summer about why did Tennessee run fewer plays in the country than any team last year? I, I think Pruitt is, has a bent to protect defense and to value defense. And one reason you don't go fast on purpose is because you're trying to slow the game down to, to keep your defense safe, to give the other team fewer opportunities, less time of possession, fewer snaps, that sort of stuff. When things were sunshiny and happy in the first half, I was celebrating the fact that, hey, Tennessee had a 16-play drive. Yeah, That's kind of awesome. 
But what's not awesome, it, it's not awesome if you're trying to have a 16-play drive. Because lots of folks will tell you, man, stuff goes wrong <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Fumbles happen. Penalties happen. That sort of stuff. You can't bank on a 16-play drive. So it's cool if it happens uh, every once in a while because it's unique and fun. And, you know, you flexed on these guys for basically the same way Georgia State did to Tennessee a little later in the game uh, with their own 16-play drive. But that that initial thing was disconcerting to me. Now, maybe they go hyper-conservative early because they threw a fumble-slash-interception on the second play of the game. Maybe. I can buy that. And they think, it's Georgia State, we can just do our thing and be fine. And it worked for those 16 plays. But now looking back at it, there's a part of me that thinks, like, again, are we... Is is Tennessee trying to just take the air out of the ball to protect a defense that Pruitt knows and would know better than anybody isn't very good and wasn't very good last year, and that's not going to work. I mean, it's just not going to work. Uh, and and it's going to work. It's not going to work in ways that are less fun than trying to score as many points as you possibly can because your defense is bad. And some of that gets back to the offensive line question of, you know, you want to take shots downfield, you have to trust the quarterback and the offensive line enough to pull that off. And uh, I don't know that anybody's feeling super hot uh, about Jared Garantano or that offensive line after that performance on Saturday. So, yeah, I mean, you've, you've still got the dudes at receiver. I think that's – nobody played better. No position group was better than those guys. But uh, I don't know that you have the rest of the pieces of that puzzle that you feel great about to say – hey, let's just drop him back and shotgun or, or do seven-step drops every time and, and take our chances going downfield. But it's it just not a uh, – if we're right about this and the defense is just bad, there's not a great solution to that. If you're going to struggle to stop teams getting four yards on first down every single time, the the best solution that I know of is you better outscore them. And again, I, there are some reasons that I think Tennessee might be hesitant to try to go that route. The Ansley thing is, is one, it's a lesson for me and everybody else to never, ever say, oh, a new coordinator. Oh, I bet that'll be fine. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's yeah. a big adjustment every time, yeah. every time. And so whether you're bringing in, you know, Bob Shoup, who was a great defensive coordinator before and, and was a coordinator of the year at Mississippi State last year, or you're bringing in Larry Scott, who's never really done it before, but hey, he was the interim coach at Miami, so that'll probably be fine. Like, that's one lesson <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm still learning is, oh yeah, like this guy hasn't really done this before, and that's a big deal. I mean, that's, that's the, I, I know we're going to do later, like what are the things you're most afraid of? There's a part of me that's like, uh, Ansley, maybe he sucks. Like, maybe he's just terrible at this. And, and in ways having the personnel issues and the substitution infractions and that sort of stuff, I know it's week one, but that was terrible and alarming uh, and and speaks to a, a lack of institutional control issue. So like you're saying, Joel, the, if Ansley is terrible, on the one hand, it's good news because you got a head coach that was one of the best people in the free world at being a defensive coordinator before he was Tennessee's coach. But on the other hand, it just makes for a bad – that, that micromanaging stuff, even if it's on the defense, even if it's on the side of the ball, he knows best. Uh, that's just that's not ideal, uh, and and uh, and not a great, not a great look there for Ansley in uh, in game one of his tenure. 
This is off topic, uh, but I wanted to mention it just real quick. That that corner blitz on the uh, the sack and fumble, um, mm-hmm. that was just an awesome call, I thought, because, um, you know, maybe Garantano I should have seen it, but it was an empty backfield. He had no back there um, to help protect him. Um, it came from his blind side on the clear other side of the field there's no way that he could have seen him unless he actually you know purposely looked over there um so i just thought that was just a really good call by by georgia state at at just the right time too because we'd been without any we'd been empty backfield for several plays in a row so i thought that that's what they were thinking but anyway um yeah this uh this this is us thing uh, that, that you uh, had mentioned. This is a great idea. I I think I remember seeing this. I kind of quit watching that show. I, I don't, um, maybe, I haven't seen it in like a year or anything, but I do remember them saying at least one time, let's say aloud the worst thing we're thinking. And uh, yes. that's that's terribly frightening, but uh, let's do it. So what what is the, the worst thing that, that you're thinking right now, Will? Here, here's the sequence of worst things that I'm thinking. Uh, one is Ansley is in way over his head and we have to deal with those issues of micromanaging and, and that sort of stuff. And I'm not sure where the resolution to that is coming. And if he's in way over his head, you're going to have, that's somebody else you're going to have to buy out, uh, or reassign or something like that. Uh, the lack of man, I hate reading uh, maybe David of David Ubbin in the athletic or somebody else about Trey Smith begging people to show some pride and that sort of stuff. Uh, I'm afraid of the prickly personality parts of, of Jeremy Pruitt that we kind of knew about before we hired him uh, are true and or worse than we thought. And people are not players are so beaten down from what they've been through the last X number of years. We've already seen them lay down once. They didn't show up to fight in the week one opener. Are they going to bounce back from this? What if they don't fans just stop coming uh, after, you know, Tennessee loses to Florida and Georgia in embarrassing fashion. And this thing gets real bad. Then recruits have to, figure out why they've committed to come to Tennessee when Tennessee goes, say, three and nine, which is a realistic possibility uh, at this point in time. And then we're left figuring out, do we bail on this dude after two years, after he went three and nine, or is all of this just going to happen again because you tried to start it over again? Do you give him a chance to to do all that? So, yeah, that's that's – and. And my son grows up and never cares about Tennessee football. That's that's the worst. Uh, that's that's the worst thing I'm thinking. Okay, so this sounded like a good idea, but I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, that's usually how it goes on the show too. Um. So yeah, I mean, yours yours are kind of. They're they're like this season, or or maybe the next couple of seasons. Mine is is more like Armageddonish. You know. Yeah. It's it's like, my biggest fear is that is never going to actually be any better. It's been a long time, man. And, uh, and, and, and the reason for that is, or, or the thing that I'm scared about is that the reason for that might be that 
having the right perspective and the right priorities and the right values, all these things that I really desire to see in the guys and the team and the program, that those things are and will always be at odds with sort of achieving all of your wildest <laughs> dreams of success, you know? Um, honestly, if I had to make that trade, I'd make it and I'd be mostly glad about it, but man, do I hope that it's possible to do both, you know? Well, I, on that point, uh, maybe it's a little different cause it's a different sport, but on that that's point, basketball. I would say yeah. Barnes. Yeah, that's good. Um, and, and we've seen it, you know, we've, we've seen that go two different ways. I think, man, I've thought about a lot of the highs and lows of the last 10 years today. Uh, I will say for folks who are like, that's it. Screw it. I'm out. Uh, man, that's a number one takeaway from, from the last Conzo Martin year is, uh, don't, don't bail before there's like nothing left. Yeah. You know, uh, you, you can bail. Uh, I just wouldn't bail in week one. Uh, you know, there, there were times, uh, 2017, plenty of reasonable points to get off that ship, uh, before, you know, Brady Hoke was on the sideline. Like it, that, you know, it's, it's okay. And there's some self-preservation in there, honestly, of, of bailing, uh, in the middle of October of that year, I'm sure. But, uh, don't miss the opportunity to enjoy. That's the Conzo Martin story from that last season. It ended up a bad charge call away from the elite eight is don't miss the opportunity to enjoy something. So uh, you need more data, we we and we're gonna get it uh, soon. Yeah, uh, and then we're really gonna get it when they go to the Gators. So uh, you know, I, I feel like nothing, and there is nothing off the table. Uh, well, I think Tennessee blowing out BYU is probably off the table, but uh, BYU blowing out Tennessee, I man, I can see that. I can see it. Uh, Tennessee, who by the way, still a two and a half point favorite against the Cougars on Saturday. <laughs> Tennessee winning. Yeah, I can see that too. Uh, yeah. So we, we need we need more data. Uh, you, you may have good reason to bail on this thing. Uh, but uh, I would say let's, let's, let's see week two uh, and, uh, and see how it goes. But yeah, the, again, man, especially if you're in my demographic, that whole, this is never going to be what it was when I was a kid. Oh, I do not like that. No. Uh, and, and that's that's why that's why we follow sports. It's not just for the – it's bandwagon. It's tough to follow for the wins and losses. But I worry about the thing itself, yep. you know, like 100,000 people showing up at the game, people being excited, people being invested in the outcome. It's the, the apathy uh, perspective of, of Knoxville is a different town when Tennessee is winning, and I like that about Knoxville. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so those are the, those are the kind of vulnerabilities, uh, that, uh, that I worry about. And we did all this in the off season to say that Tennessee of the 15 winningest programs in college football history, the only program that has been through a stretch like the last 11 years of Tennessee in terms of length of time, not in the final top 20, the only program that's been through a stretch like this before is us in the, in the late 1970s and early this 1980s. Yeah. Yeah. So just like I planned it. So, uh, so, you know, it's in our nature to say, let's step back and realize that we're not Tennessee. The university of Tennessee football team is not always the 1990s. The nineties are what we are capable of. The fifties are what we are capable of the late sixties and early, you know, 1970. That's what we're capable of. That's what we aspire to. But 
you know, you're going to have, you're going to have some, some nine and three in there that you're going to have to say, all right, nine and three was okay. Uh, and that was awfully hard for people in the second half of Fulmer's tenure. Uh, but yeah. you know, th- th- you're going to have some of that. That's okay. But that's my worry now is that when are we getting back to nine and three? Um, ten- again, <clears throat> Tennessee hasn't, Tennessee hasn't finished a season with less than four losses since 2004 point um they would have an 07 if they didn't lose any sec championship game so that's you know it's still the last 11 years is what we're really talking about but um yeah yeah i mean all of that is all that's concerning you you have to come back to this thing for more than the wins and the losses but i'm worried about the the very essence of it uh being being a little bit vulnerable here yeah so <clears throat> how much does this game actually impact your expectations for the for the season. I think this is a really interesting question because if you only go on the data we have, then what you're looking at is, okay, we just lost the game I felt most comfortable about, (laughs) right? And so therefore, I probably am going to think that we should lose every other game too, just logically speaking, right? But you don't really feel that way because you kind of feel at the same time that um, something will get better, maybe, <laughs> maybe. But so, it, like I said, it, it, if, if you only go on Saturday, you can't feel good about the rest of the season. But somewhere in the back of your mind, you're also thinking that, well, we're going to we're going to be able to get it fixed. That 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 was a fluke. Uh, can't happen again or or won't happen as much as, as we think. It doesn't mean that we're going to lose every single game is what I'm saying. So how does that all impact uh, and fall, fall out for you? Well, uh, here I think the uh, our friend, the, the win expectancy uh, machine there, uh, it, it's, that thing is your friend right now if you're worried about Tennessee going 1-11. and 11. Uh it's not your friend if you did it before this week, because <laughs> I, I did it yesterday and I went from uh, I was at seven, almost seven on the money before kickoff. So saying I think they're going to go seven and five and I think eight and four is just as likely as six and six to now I'm at a shade over four and a half, <laughs> which is saying. So, yeah, that's that's a drop. Uh in part, it's because I put Georgia State at 100%. Don't ever put anyone at 100%. Don't put Chattanooga at 100% in that thing. Um, so, you know, part of me, uh, yes, uh, it's it's a drop from seven. It's also a reminder that even as pessimistic as I am about things right now, I, I don't think they're actually going to go 1-11. and 11. Uh, I think that they are still a football team with a pulse and some good athletes and some coaches that didn't get stupid all of a sudden. Uh, and, and we'll find a way that I think five and seven barely is the most likely outcome at this point, but I'm open to four and eight, uh, or, or three and nine, uh, and that sort of thing. It's really interesting. You know, we, we've talked a lot on the blog and you mentioned it earlier with the past, those UCLA games in 08 and 09 really stand out to me that the one in 08 for how, how much more furious I was when Tennessee lost that game than I am now. And I don't know if that's perspective or apathy, but the one in 09 has some similarity too of dynamite coaching staff, 
you know, Kiffin played an, a one double A team back when they were one double A uh, in in week one, and then you get UCLA in week two, a game a lot of us spent the whole off season talking about Tennessee's got to win, and not only did they lose it, they they were out coached, uh, just poorly, uh, played bad, looked bad, looked bad in a way that made you feel like, are we going to win any games? And what is this coaching staff that we paid all this money for? And why didn't they do anything good? Um, and obviously Kiffin and those guys, it took them till mid October and a close loss to Auburn, uh, in there too, but they got it together. They only lost to the Gators by 10 and everyone was convinced they were going to lose by a hundred. And maybe, you know, there was going to be actual murder on the field uh, <laughs> when that happened. So, you know, uh, we need more data. Uh, but but that particular point of hey man I thought these coaches were really good uh, we've we've seen them bungle that uh, right away that happened to Kiffin and those guys uh, against UCLA so those those two in particular I, I have thought about a lot today. Well, with that, that's going to do it for this edition of the Game Day on Rocky Top podcast. Uh, we'll be back later this week with a uh, preview of the BYU game. Um, make sure you keep along with the blog this week. We'll, we'll open up the uh, expected win total machine again tomorrow. Um, we'll have all the regular weekly stuff. And if you're having conversations about the game uh, this week with folks who might appreciate a little different perspective, uh, put in a little plug for us and tell them that uh, Game Day on Rocky Top is a community of reasonable fanatics uh, we're not sunshine or rainbows and unicorns this week, but uh, we also haven't seen our pitchforks in years. So, um, <laughs> so until next time, uh, for Will Shelton, I'm Joel Hollingsworth, and this has been the Game Day on Rocky Top podcast. I will, I will say that uh, uh, I had my pitchfork. That Florida loss in 15. I had I had my pitchfork there. That was when we were talking about malpractice uh, last week. That's when that came to mind. That the end of that game was some coaching malpractice. Which one uh, was that? Um, that was the. Uh, <laughs> that isn't that great. Like we shouldn't pick yeah. that in this podcast. Which loss was that? Uh, <laughs> that was that was the uh, up 27-14 and didn't go for two, and then gave up Four 13 or seven, whatever it was, and and then went down the field with the worst and most excruciating clock management of all time and we're left with a 55-yard field goal that almost went in. Uh, that one to me, again, like we're just in the throes of historic losses. Uh, that one to me is still worse than the hobnail boot. I put that, that's the third. I put 01 LSU right there at the top. Uh, 90 Alabama, which you have to be a certain age for, but that one of... of being ranked in the top five and Bama being unranked and lining up to kick the game-winning field goal and having them block it and it bounces 35 yards the other way and then they kick the game-winning field goal instead to beat you nine to six. That one is special. Uh, that one, that was my first real taste of we're going to beat Alabama. Oh, no, we're not going to beat Alabama this year. What year was that? Um, 1990. It, it,